All right, everybody, welcome to another very special episode of The Patrick Car Show. Now, a lot of the business that we work with, all of them keep on coming up with the same problem over and over again. They keep on talking about how they can't find good people. Excuse after excuse about why good people aren't being hired and aren't staying with their company. Luckily, we got a solution for you here today on The Patrick Car Show. We're talking to incredible women. I got Jessica, I got Melina, Ignite Results. are going to tell you how to solve that problem, and we're probably going to have a little fun doing it. Stick around, everybody. All right, ladies, what's going on? How are you? I'm, I'm in good. Orlando. You're in Orlando. <laughs> Not a far drive for y'all. You're coming from the Tampa Bay area. Well, she actually lives here. Yeah, I'm local. I forgot. You are local. Yeah. Okay. Um, I had met you all at a one industry, one model thing that they did here in Orlando, Jen Silver and her crew. Mm-hmm. Um, amazed by y'all's personality. Everybody kept on coming up. I feel like people love you all. Um, I honestly didn't know what you did, but I had to find out. Um, and so what I'd like to do is maybe Jessica, Melina, you could tell me about Ignite Results and how you're helping roofing contractors. Well, I think people wanted to come by the booth because we were giving away candles. Mm-hmm. And that's like the main draw. I mean, our personalities are great, but our swag is incredible. Got to have good swag. Yeah. And I always said, if this business doesn't work out, I'm going to be on the QVC pushing products. Nice. Okay. Ladybug brooches and everything. <laughs> okay. I love it. So my background is I got a PhD at Clemson. And I grew up in a roofing family, but I hated it because I just saw how our family mismanaged the business. And my dad had so much stress and it just about killed him. He had a stroke. And um, after that, that's when I got involved in roofing and was able to use my education to revamp that company. They were at three million at that point. We're at 12 million now. So using that same approach that I used with my family's roofing business and just such a passion for the industry and being able to use that approach to help hire, train, recruit, and build culture in companies. So you don't just go straight from Clemson into roofing. What did, you, did you do something before that time right there? Yeah, I did. I tried to stay as far away from roofing as possible. Okay. Um, because it's like the mafia. Like once you're in, you're in. All right. So after I got my PhD at Clemson, I actually taught at Clemson. I was a stats professor for two years. And then I came to work at public supermarkets. Mm -hmm. I ran the hiring processes there. So we were responsible for hiring 200,000 people. So I got really, really good at selection and assessments and recruiting. And it it was easy to recruit at Publix because the culture is so amazing. And that's really our approach when we're doing recruiting for companies is to first build a great culture, and then the people will come. I like that. I want to ask you before I turn it over here, um, Publix, what makes it a great culture? So many people in the Southeast, if you're watching another part, this would be like our Kroger, for instance. But what makes Publix such a great place to work? I know that's probably a loaded question, but a lot of people walk into this every single day, and everyone's so nice, or they really like them. What is it about their culture? I think one of the main things is that people, managers invest at their employees at every single level. Even from the grocery clerk to the cashier, the janitor, all the way up to a sales manager. There's offering employee benefits and stock options for everyone. Everyone shares in the profit shares in that company. And everyone's treated with dignity and respect. And it's really an open door policy from even from the CEO. So I think like really having like great communication and treating everybody the same, no matter what level. Yeah, I think that should be a standard for any company. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem to be. 
All right, Melina, turn it over to you here. Um, you wear a lot of different hats. I know you both work together, but you know, not only focusing on the recruiting, the hiring that you do, you do a lot of other great stuff as well. Give us a breakdown of who you are, where you come from. Sure. It's nice to be here, Patrick. Um, I have a small business background in the very beginning, um, kind of in my 20s. I started in small business um, back in West Virginia. Okay. So started in logging, dozer service, trucking companies, um, you know, really a lot of skilled laborers. And being a small business owner, I learned a great deal in about eight year span of what it takes to not just manage employees, but be able to retain and keep people. And then fast forward, um, went through a divorce and then learned all about marketing and uh, got involved in recruiting at a higher level in a national recruiting firm. And so that was really, you know, learning how to select and train people from, you know, being a small business owner, but then taking that really to a corporate level. Um, you, I learned a lot uh, tremendously about culture planning um, and being able to be a really good, strong business owner and what that would take. So my background from, you know, I did a lot of wellness training. Um, my One of my trades and is learning about stress management. Oh, so that was a, a huge thing that I went through as a small business owner myself. So when we work with folks, even from a recruiting standpoint, you know, there's a lot of stress involved in that. So having processes to take the stress out is a primary thing that we feel like at Ignite we do well. Mm-hmm. For sure. Stress so. management. I'm interested in this for a second. <laughs> this, this is me just asking a personal question. So the fact that I get relatively upset on a daily basis, is this not a good sign of how I'm using stress management? Uh, you're just in your feelings a lot, then, I'm it sounds a like. I am. Yeah. I've, I've been told I wear my heart on my sleeve mm. and my feelings as well. I mean, everyone around here knows when I'm having a good day or when I'm having a bad day. Mm. And it's pretty obvious. Um <laughs> Good days, going out to lunch, we're going to go ahead and have a good time as a crew. Bad days, I'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off. Yeah. So it's not a good thing. Do you think it affects your employees? Absolutely. Some days they absolutely hate me. Other days I'm sure they just put up with me. (laughs) Yeah. But they're nice. I mean, they're nice to me. You know what I mean? Have a lot of compassion. They have compassion and empathy, I think, for me. Not so much. uh, For me is a good way to put it. So I need to do something about that, right? Be more consistent. Well, that would probably a good, be a good start, Patrick. Okay. <laughs> it's good that you have some self-awareness around that. I do have self-awareness. It's just mm-hmm. sometimes it's not um, emotional intelligence that I lack to be able to do something about it. I know when I'm in the moment that I'm making a mistake or when I'm doing things that I shouldn't be doing as far as a reaction. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I really struggle with, okay, I know what I'm doing is not the right reaction. How do I get over here to where I am reacting in yeah. a good way, Let's, for lack of a better word? Well, so we practice our bad habits more than we practice our good habits often. Yep, and it doesn't take long to, to get those bad habits going. It takes a lot longer to break them, though. Um, that's really interesting. Jessica, my question for you is, you grew up in this roofing family and stuff. You mentioned earlier, too, actually, it's a back-to-back question. Why, why? What was it about roofing? You got out of it. You said, I don't want anything to do with this. Just what you saw with your father. And the secondary question is, where are all these roofers screwing up? Both of you mentioned culture. But if you're a roofer right now and they want you to take a – you know, a 10-second test to know if they're really screwing up their culture. Can you answer me and tell me what they would need to do? Kind of back-to-back questions there. So, I mean, I wanted to get as far away from roofing as possible. It really had nothing to do with roofing. It had to do with what I associated with roofing. And I associated roofing with my dad not being able to be present on vacations. Roofing was my dad being stressed out all the time. Roofing was um, poor negative effects on my dad's health. 
So it was never anything to do with roofing. It was what I associated with that. Got it. And I wanted to get as far away from it as possible. And that's when it was mismanaged. However, seeing like the differences that, that were made in that company with culture, with the right leadership, with the right hiring process, and that being completely turned around to something that now gives jobs to 20 people and changes their lives. People that, you know, are making $40,000 and come in and can be a sales rep and make 150000 buy a house. And we see it over and over that people's lives change because of this industry. Absolutely. And I think that roofing is far behind the times. And so when I initially went to a roofing conference, I could see that, like, I'm uniquely positioned to help in this space of having roofing, of having psychology, of having just so much corporate and consulting experience. I just knew like this inkling, this like calling in my heart that I had to be here. And I had $400 in my account when I was sweeping floors and taking out people's trash when I first started my business. And um, we've been doubling the revenue every year and just amazing what we've done with our company. Well, that's a real testament to both of you. Um, second part of that question is a lot of roofers don't know if they have bad culture. Maybe they aren't self-aware enough to realize, hey, I've got some bad culture right here. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some telltale signs when you both get involved with a company to go, this is good, this will attract people to you, or this might be why you're losing individuals off your team? Yeah, so we look at it like an iceberg. Okay. So like culture is the driving force of your company, but it's often something that's not measured or seen. So if you think about like the iceberg model, like 90% like what's underneath and 10% what you see on top. Mm-hmm. So when we're diagnosing like culture, we're diagnosing company problems, we're starting with KPIs that we can easily track. So looking at revenue, have you been able to grow your revenue year after year? How many people and what's the cost per person? What's the l- number of, what's turnover looking like? What is, is there consistent performance in for each salesperson, which you can pull that out of the CRM. Mm-hmm. And then one thing that we do is we survey every single person in the company. So we ask very specific questions about how do you feel about the pay? How do you feel about your leadership? Is your manager a good communicator? So now we have 40 people rating the culture of that company, like actual culture survey. And so then we can do, we can fix the issues and then we come back in six months and then we can see this is how your culture improved. And that's what being a psychologist and, and a stats professor makes Ignite results very different because we can measure that. Because typically you're only seeing measurement and revenue. And most people even disregard the profit margins. So they're just like, oh, we went from five to 10 million, but you only made $100,000 more in profit. Mm -hmm. But we need all the data. So when you're talking about surveying though, how are you finding the data on surveying? Is this something where they're rating from one to 10 or are they filling this in where they're giving their own opinions? Because I'm just wondering how you you put that into something that is actually, let's say calculable. It's, um, I can't remember the word I'm looking for, it's measurable. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you do 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 that with how people are feeling? Yeah, it's on a scale from one to five, strongly disagree to strongly agree. Mm And typically, we want to see like fours and fives. If someone's neutral, that pretty much means it's a negative response. So we're one to five that we can qualify it. We can break it down by gender. We mm-hmm. can break it down by tenure. We can break it down by age of the workforce. We can break it down by manager. 
and then we can pinpoint you know 40 different items of exactly the problem interesting Mm -hmm. and even asking them you know oftentimes like how many people are thinking about even leaving this yeah so Mm. that's a great one because it's really insightful for a company leader to even consider that his people want to even leave they're often blind to the fact that people are thinking about leaving yeah we just did a survey for one company and 30 percent of people said they were planning on leaving in the next year wow that's yeah 30 percent of the workforce it's a big workforce yes and so like we're gonna survey again in a few months after we've done a lot of different initiatives so it's pretty powerful stuff. That's really tough to hear. So I mean, reminds me of this thing I'm trying to do right now. I'm trying to find out when I'm going to die. All right. So there's this guy out in Vegas who you can give $5,000 to, and he can tell you when you're going to die within three months. Out of 10,000 people, he's only been off by three months on some people, 97 or 99.7%. And the point that he's off, it's six months, not three months. So he can take your blood and do this out of 10,000 plus people. It's doing it all the time. I've got a couple of roofing contractors that have done this. Really? I'm going to bring this around, everybody. There's a reason I'm saying this, okay? <laughs> all right. There's a reason. So I've been thinking about doing this where I can find out when I'm going to die. But then the question becomes, if you knew, is that a good thing? Would you want to know that you have 25 years to live? And the answer is yes right now. Because as you get closer to that time, you can't expand the time anymore by changing what you do. Mm-hmm. You know, if I have 25 years now, let's say, and I start eating right, well, then I can improve to 35. But if that was only two years that I had left, I can't make the improvements to give myself a long more time. At that time, I can maybe give myself a year, maybe two years more. To wrap this all together, I think that roofing contractors stay away from this problem. They don't want to address it early and it lags on before it's too late for them to make a change. They can't make the big change at that point because it's too far gone. Your culture is gone, and then you're running into this whole thing where you got to clean out your company, which no yep. one wants to do and start over. So I'm thinking about this from if you could know now, even if your company could run good for another five years, but there's something that's starting to sneak its way in here, I think that's a great time to hire you all. You're not feeling good about it. You think something might be a little bit off. I think that coming in there and doing that kind of uh, survey, mm-hmm. along with the other revenue factors here and turnover and performance, can really give somebody a report card for where they're at currently right now in their company. And you want to know that information now, not 10 years when everything is falling apart and you're wondering, why didn't I address this earlier? Is that is that something that's correct? Mm, absolutely. Proactivity yeah. versus reactivity. Yeah. I'm just thinking back to our client base that we have one client right now. They've been in business 15 years rebuilding the whole company. Yes. Pretty wow. much from scratch. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah, we were called in. This is the the company that's like, you know, 30% of the people are going to leave. And actually they should be leaving because Mm -hmm. they're not performing. Um, Versus companies like Oberg Roofing, who are super proactive. When they were at $3 million, they brought in consultants. Now, last year, then they were at $7 million, which is when we were brought in. Now they're at $15 million. We re-signed with them. They're going to be at $30 million. So having experts from the outside come Mm -hmm. in, and that's, I feel like that's why there's such a, an incredible company. They started this process super, super early. That's it. I mean, that's it right there. If you're going to bring YouTube in as consultants, get it done now. Get it done when you can actually solve the problem, not when you're sitting there having to clean your entire place out and start your company almost from ground zero and go, okay, 
we're gonna we set ourselves back three four years now because our culture is going to take that long to rebuild around here get it in now i would say that to my roofing contractors you kind of feel like something isn't going right you're starting to see that uptick in turnover don't wait a year Mm -hmm. you already know there's a problem you may not want to admit it to yourself but deep down in your gut you know there's a problem and i think you've got to get in there the reason i want to harp on this is i believe what you all say you've got to have culture i think about jason over the eustace roofing you heard him speak Mm -hmm. at that conference um, he's one of my clients, and almost all of his videos that we create for him, it's about his people. Show him out there. Show the good work that he does. At his holiday party, let me interview my employees and talk to them. He wants to highlight employees. Mm-hmm. That's all he wants to do. And so that culture breeds people to walk in the door. Um, and that's what I want to talk about, about next. People tend to treat this thing as an HR thing. How do I recruit? How do I hire? How do I keep somebody and train them? It's, that's an HR issue. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. you all might disagree. So what do you think it is? What, where, what department does that fall into, this hiring, training, recruiting idea? Yeah, so I think like the first thing we have to do is get it out of a department where we're just saying this is HR because HR is more of your compliance, people compliance and legal. Like when somebody, you know, makes a sexual harassment claim, we'll send them to HR. Yep. But we've got to think it, about it in totality as people systems. And people are in every single department. So really like your operations department should be managing all of your people systems. So. Well, I would say this, you should, should, speaking of that, should you have one person in charge of that in-house? Or are you saying if I have a sales, should my sales team be in charge of sales, operations be in charge of operations when it comes to sales and hiring and recruiting? How does that work? Should it be one person though, or multiple departments? I like one person. Um, I mean, part of our, you know, Thing that we like to have done is recruiting a recruiter because it's a direct person that's going to be a master at recruiting. They're going to be a master at knowing how to sell your company. Um, they're usually the person that could even be in charge of, <clears throat> you know, being the culture champion for that matter. <clears throat> um, that's my personal opinion. Yeah. So, I mean, when we're talking about culture, I mean, the CEO is the one that is in charge of that. Mm-hmm. So the, and we, I guess first we need to break down what culture actually is. And that is not a thing. Like we, we think that culture is a thing, but it's actually an experience. So we are designing an experience for your people. And that's going to start with the vision of the company and the core values. So culture is vision and values. The CEO is typically the one or the owner is typically the one creating that. And then all of the managers are in charge of making sure that that comes to light. So the core values, the culture needs to be in all the team meetings. It needs to be based around different initiatives. And like what we do is culture planning. That's what we do with companies. So we create, we work with them to create their vision and values. And then we go each quarter and we focus on one of their core values. So, for instance, um, Oberg Roofing, their core value for Q4 is the future is ours. So they're focusing on building a legacy. Everyone in the company is mapping out their 2023 goals. They did service projects. They spoke in middle schools. Um, They did different team exercises where they're talking about the core value So that's what we recommend is we can't fix culture all at once, but you need to go systematically quarter by quarter and focus on one core value. Got it. Now, Melina, I got this question for you. Maybe this will be more up your alley here is 
You both mentioned CEO. You're both kind of nodding your head. The CEO's got to start up there. Mm-hmm. All right. A lot of stubborn CEOs, especially in roofing. You step into that organization, you're trying to tell that individual, hey, listen, it's not coming from the top down. You know what? People in your organization are starving for that culture, but perhaps that individual is not delivering it. They're absent from the office. They're not consistent in showing up to the meetings. They're just up and down. All right. How do you fix that if you don't have an owner? Do you, can you delegate it? How do you work with an owner that might not be as receptive to some of your teaching that you all have out there? Well, there's a large part of self-awareness that comes into this, and and a bit of it probably is raw at times because as a consultant, you do have to state things that you see. Um, we also pick companies that you know are coachable and teachable. So that's a primary for us is that you know we want to work with leaders who really do want to be coached in that way. Um, if you don't have somebody who's really willing to be committed to the process, it's not going to be successful, um, and that's going to lead to their own demise. So, you know, it's having those tough conversations, being able to really, you know, state things um, in real time with honesty, Mm -hmm. and being able to ask the right questions a lot of times to leaders that help for them to be able to uncover and see and be able to be moved and motivated by their own emotion because they do want to be successful. They want to be good leaders. They obviously want to continue to grow their business and make profit and to, if they really want to say that yeah. they want to be a great community leader, then okay. We're going to be right back to that episode, but first I want to give you a scary statistic. Did you know that four out of five roofing companies go out of business in the first five years? Now, one of the main reasons for that, everyone, is they can't sell their service. You gotta be able to sell your product if you wanna stay in business. And that means you need sales professionals on your team. A lot of times I see people who come into the blue collar industries. They are wonderful sales professionals in let's say medical devices, or they've sold homes before, or perhaps they've sold cars. But to explain the benefits to a home and business owner of what you do inside their home or an exterior of their home, Man, it takes a whole different language. And my friends at Matt Meehan Consulting speak that language. They step into your business. They show your sales team how to develop a process that closes more deals quicker than they ever have before. They make sure that they give you that process so that you can train your people on how to be sales professionals in the blue collar industries. You must be able to explain your benefits to that home and business owner, convince them and show them that your product is the right product for their home. And please give my friends at Matt Meehan a call or their website is gonna be right below. Getting in touch with them, you will be able to develop templatable processes that mean month in, month out, your sales professionals are meeting their goals. So if your sales, let's say your sales process looks something like hire the person, give them a little training, throw them out there into the field and hope for the best, then you must get with my friends at Matt Meehan Consulting. They are the sales and branding experts in your exterior remodeling businesses. Again, that is mattmeandconsulting.com right across the bottom of the screen. Get in touch with them, take your sales to the next level in 2023, and get what you deserve in your blue collar business. And now everybody, let's get back to that exciting podcast. You know, things start to go sideways at 930 in the morning. Um, Somebody calls in, you really relying on to get something done. And that all the stuff you thought you were going to do, hey, I want to do those things as a leader, you start to go out the door. Because then you start to get in crash mode, as I say. You got, I just got to avoid the fires, got to avoid the crashes right now. What do you say to a leader like that? What do you say to somebody, hey, listen, I'm trying, Melina. 
All right. I'm a great leader when things are going like I want them to go. So if everyone just does what I say to do, then I'm a great leader. So what, there's got to be in the blue collar world some individuals like this. That's I'm good. Other people suck. And if other people suck less, I look better. Sure. Um, let's just say it's like that. All right. How do you get how do you get through to me that, hey, listen, you know, I'm I'm doing right over here. What am I doing wrong? I'm showing up and doing the job right. Come on. Why am I being blamed for this, Melina? <clears throat> well, <laughs> ultimately, you know, it's going to come back and sit in your lap because you're the owner. Um, at the end of the day, you're the leader of the ship. So uh, I'm going to ask really pointed questions oftentimes to you and Anyone. give you one. What would you ask a pointed question? Well, I mean, are your people really satisfied? I mean, do you wake – I mean, when you're walking into the office, do people – do they come to you? Do they want to talk to you? Do they run away when they see you in the hallway? No, I don't think they run away, but we have a small hallway. Um, <laughs> so I, let's see here. Okay, here's what I could do better on, in my opinion. As you say that, here's what comes to my mind. I could do better, Hoff, you would probably, we all could in this office, like of greeting each other in a better way. Like I think that's a big deal. And I know it's a big deal. We, we say hello to each other, but we sometimes don't, hey, man, how are you doing? It's just like, okay, hi, okay, good morning. Let's get down to work, right? Uh, we well, could we could do a better job of that. I feel like that's – I'm being serious here. Yeah, I mean, it's more – it's like human to human, right? That's what we have to think. It's, yeah. it's really about being intentional and deliberate. When you wake up in the morning, do you know who you are? Do you know where you're going? Do you know, do you know what you're accomplishing today? Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. Well, that's probably a good start. So that, was, that would be where I would rewind. It, all, it goes back to rooted behaviors. So if you're mindful – um, and if you don't know how to be mindful, then that start there, because that's really where it comes down to. If you're, you know, eating food and gobbling it up and you can't even taste your food, are you being mindful about eating? Mm-mm. No. Right. So it's just how we approach our day. And really, it comes down to really the rooted behavior to begin with. So we can't necessarily start jump over here and fix this if this is the issue that we need to start with. So first. And I like to ask company owners like what's your ideal with your people if you could if you could have any type of team that you wanted what would that look like Mm -hmm. it does give you a lot of insight they might say i want a team that listens to exactly what i say and jump when i say jump it's going to give us insight into Mm -hmm. what's really happening right or they may you know have a, a real vision of what they want and then we can build a process around that yeah, you know, one of the hardest lessons for me over the last couple of months has been knowing that I didn't have a vision for where this company was going. And I think that the con- contractors lease that I talk to, anytime I see somebody under $5 million, I feel like they they almost always are in that boat. It seems mm-hmm. like a constant just array of putting out fires every single day and just trying to keep your head above water, and that can be a little bit daunting. It's like, great, do I grow to 5 to $10 million and now what? I double my problems on top of that? And do I really even want to grow to 10 million, even though that's what I'm supposed to know what I want? Mm -hmm. That's like frustrating because I think there's something wrong with me. Like, do I want more problems to deal with at Mm -hmm. what a little bit more money for myself? So I'm sure you guys deal Mm -hmm. with all this as you step into companies, right? Yeah, we have a questionnaire that we have all of our people fill out. There's about 14 questions on there from, you know, we have them like do an exercise where they close their eyes and they have to picture and visualize what they want for themselves and their team. We have them do an exercise where they evaluate all the strengths and weaknesses of their company. We have them even, we get into talking about their marriage and, and looking at all the personal things going on. And if it's like, I want more time with family and, and we just went through this. I just went through this with, with the, 
a guy who made he was at the four million dollar mark and he said i was like you know you're in a position you could easily go to eight next year you have like your market share is amazing here you're in a small town but he had crippling anxiety and all he wanted to do was be there he has a two-year-old son and that's what he really wanted to do so i would go in and say all right like i want to push you to grow and he's over there saying i want more time with family it's very it's a similar process because a company has to be manageable before you can get time back or manageable before you can scale it or manageable before you open uh, another company or manageable before you sell it so that's it's the same approach but the end goal is different i think the reason this is so important i'm so happy you all are here for this is i think that contractors look at things like social media or their website from a sales perspective how much can we use this ad across social media? How much can we use this on Google or YouTube to make more money? But they don't think about the culture that they show on these various platforms and how excited or not excited it's going to be for someone to join their team. for them Because that's what they're going to look, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Someone's going to go to these places and go, okay, I've got an interview tomorrow with Eustace Roofing. Let me see what they're all about. And yep. they go to whatever platform that they're comfortable with, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, all of them. And then they're going to start to form a decision about what this company actually means. And that's why I want to turn it over now to the recruiting side. Culture, important. Let's say you got that down. Now we're talking about how do we get these people in the door? What mistakes are you seeing and how do you solve the issues with actually putting an ad, let's say, in front of somebody or letting them know you want good people and getting them in the door to make things happen? So they need to have a careers page right on the website. And that's something that we have all of our people do. So you need a careers page with the job descriptions. They need to be able to apply right online. They need to have a hype video of why it's great to work here. Because one mistake is that we think choosing a position or a career is a logical decision. And it is not. It is a psychological decision. So you have about 60 seconds to really showcase your brand to... to a potential applicant and capture their engagement and their attention. Love it. You're right. I mean, if you're telling me you're going to pay me 100K a year and you got a, you know, I don't know, what's that name? Zim? What's the name of that thing? I can't remember the name. Wix, who makes a website. And I'm thinking and looking at it going, okay, you're promising 150,000 a year minimum or whatever, you know, some of these roofing contractors do. I got to be thinking, yeah, right. You ain't pay me that. You ain't invest any more in the, in the website. Mm-hmm. So there's got to be something there that sends red flags up in my head immediately. Yeah, misspelled words. That's mm-hmm. like, I mean, even in the job ads, I mean, Melina has. Yes, job ads. I mean, that's a huge one because a lot of times companies are promoting themselves and they aren't necessarily promoting the best things to promote about themselves, even in a job ad. So having better and well-written job ads Applicants are about 30 seconds mm-hmm. to look at an app, you know, a job ad when they're online looking for a job. And if it's not captivating them and it's not interesting, well, they're going to just peruse past you and find the next. Yeah. It's kind of like Tinder almost. Oh, I love that analogy. I've used this before. So tell me, tell me how you yeah. use it. So, I mean, you're basically just going by appearance and like the professionalism right off the bat. And, and you have like the top like two or three three things about the company. So it's not well it's not like oh we made this much money, this is our vision of the company. It's more of um have you been are you a, a sales rep who, you know, has been underpaid or 
have inconsistent like commissions in your past job or are you you know is constant is more responsibility constantly put on your plate without equal pay so like like playing to their pain points in a job ad yes and that's how we capture people in the beginning just like you would for marketing like i'm saying uh, are you spending countless hours in in interviews with people that just don't show up um so i would go do the same kind of mentality in a job ad when I'm capturing their attention, are you stuck and you, are you bottomed out with with the growth in your company? And then we go into what's the, what do we put first on, like what's in it for them? <clears throat> yes, what's in it for them? Uh, their incentives, and then it goes into really a clear depiction of what the job's going to entail. One yeah. of the one of the mistakes that I've seen individuals make when some of my clients, I'll get to know them, so I spend some time on their website putting videos up there, you know, and I'll peruse the website is I think that they do a poor job of appealing to the kind of applicant that they want. Somebody who is in sales, they probably are going to be money-driven, and that's the kind of individual you probably want to have in sales. But when you use that and you try to find somebody for, a, an, uh, let's say, an admin position, that may not be the most important thing to them, the money, mm-hmm. all right? So they, they're still harping on the money and the pay, but the person you're trying to appeal to doesn't care about the money and the pay. How do, you, how do you address that and actually getting your ad in front of and saying the right things to the right person? Yeah, so, I mean, first, most people do want the same things. Really? Mm-hmm. So Correct me, I'm wrong. Here we go. Um, so most people want stability, and that's why they're, they're choosing a career. A lot of times, if you have experienced sales reps who are going to another roofing company, there's a lack of stability there. So stability, they want purpose. They want to know like the vision and the values of the company, and they want development. How are you going to invest in me? And Melina, when she does screening for no matter which position, she asks very pointed questions that basically sells the roofing company. So- <clears throat> yes, and even oftentimes, I'll, because I do seek out people who haven't been in the roofing industry, um, I'll ask them, do you know much about the roofing industry? And generally, they do not. And so for me, it's been great to see all of the different development that's coming into the world of roofing. And so that's what I'll sell. You know, did you know how much personal development and how people and companies are really focused on their vision and their core Mm -hmm. values? Would you like to work for a company who is invested in their employee support, that have processes that are proven? These are the things that really help to capture other people who haven't even ever been in the roofing industry, never dreamed of being in the roofing industry. Mm-hmm. And a clear career path is what we yes. sell. That's the That's number one point. selling point. <laughs> so, I mean, the career path is different from an admin to an office manager to an operations manager to a COO. It's different than a sales rep to a senior sales rep to a team lead to a sales manager. So selling that development and like laying out clear timelines of when they can expect to be promoted. So that's where the money comes in. It's not necessarily what they're going to start out making, but the requirements for them to advance within the company. So after I sell 250000 my commission will go up to 10%. I love it. Now, we're going to talk about the university that you sell to people so they can figure all this for themselves, okay? It's not like you got to take notes right now because um, you guys are able to put this right in front of people with the university we're going to talk about here. But just a general question. Let's just say they've got this figured out. They're hitting on all cylinders with the ads, what they're putting out there, um, the right ads in front of the right people. Where do you even put this stuff anymore? I mean, everybody knows about Indeed. I see everybody using that. I mean, there used to be like monsterandjobs.com, I think, or 
how do you know what is actually going to work for your company? Do you have advice about where to put this stuff? We do. I mean, I do. I love Indeed. I think it's a great platform. Um, it really depends where who you're who you're looking for. It's just like with any marketing thing. You're going to go to where the people are and who exists and what platform. It could be anywhere from, you know, Instagram and TikTok to Facebook. I mean, you're you're looking for people on LinkedIn, right? The difference between whether you're looking for, you know, a sales professional that's never been in roofing, they may be on LinkedIn versus, you know, Craigslist where you're going to look for a skilled laborer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the job board, and then we also have them do two exercises. So we have them make a 100 list yeah. of every single person they know in the area. Yeah. So from their grandma to the people at church, and then we have them send out information. We don't send out the whole job ad, but like we're hiring, this is the type of person we're looking for. If you or somebody you know would be interested, um, here's like our email address here's here's the link to apply yeah your immediate network you know and your and your employees are your number one you know they're they love working for you they're going to go tell other people about working for you they're going to have it posted on their social media how much fun they're having with your company on and along Mm -hmm. with that with the culture you know if you're doing community projects and you see that it's easier to promote that yeah, for do you, sure. Do you suggest, sorry to interrupt there, but do you suggest using um, social media platforms for recruiting, not just, mm-hmm. no, let's take an Instagram. Is it a good or bad thing to put out an ad saying, hey, we are hiring over here? Is there negative and positive that or just, hey, you should be going everywhere using all this for recruiting? Visibility is visibility. All right. Good. Yeah. The more Makes visible, sense. the better. <clears throat> and and so like some people are like, we want you know college graduates, like mm-hmm. job fairs. Oberg, Oberg um, Roofing in Minnesota, they're regular job fairs. They're going there, handing out like swag, that. doing education, um, even doing high school education on what the roofing industry is, mm-hmm. going to trade schools. So building up that pipeline so when you are creating a work or the next generation of workers, they know who you are. So some is short-term and some are long-term plays, but what happens is, oh, somebody quit. And we need an immediate solution. So that's where Indeed is going to come in. But you should be building a pipeline for for your long-term play. And that's where people get lost. Immediate problem, immediate solution. Get it. Try to, you know, plug, you know, try not to bleed it out. Just put the Band-Aid on it and, you know, move on to the next wound right there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one thing when I used to, because I was doing, running a department for a large roofing contractor here in Florida, Georgia, and I was doing the uh, tile division. So five offices here in Florida. Um, kind of my baptism by fire into roofing. And there were a couple things that I would look for. One, that they weren't doing medical sales. That was me personally. It never worked out for me. The reason is because medical sales, in my opinion, is an indoor thing. It's a relationship thing. And I was selling door-to-door guys. And what I needed is people were going to get out in the hot sun. People could wear some shorts or some tennis shoes and walk that neighborhood. So it was tough on me to find someone in the medical sales who was willing to do that. They were involved in sales, but it was a much different kind of sales. So always try to set the right expectation with that person. And also that you're going to hear no about 40 times a day. It's not easy when you're going from a job where you might hear two or three no's a day to all of a sudden get off my lawn, get out of here, and 40 no's. It can really drain a person. Do you look at the psychology of the individual than which you're looking to hire? And should companies do that? Yeah, and I'm thinking that you just needed to sell those shorts and open-toe sandals a little bit better to some of those marketing people because marketing in Florida, it's hot. Right. So think about long sleeves. You have your undershirt on. You've got your long pants and your dress shoes. 
you know, it's just a matter of sometimes selling too, right? To mm -hmm. those the psychology of people and and selling it in a different way, even. Mm -hmm. So you have to think about the things that they kind of are involved in. But there's definitely a psychology to each. Yeah, like medical sales. I don't know that that's who I would necessarily target, but. For them, it'd be like, all right, you don't have to be stuck in doctor's offices dealing with pretentious people. You can pretty much set your own hours. You can become, there's upward mobility to be a sales manager. So, like, you can spin it however you, you want to spin it. But typically, we, we look for solar, pest control, like, sales and different trades. Um, the knife people. Oh, yeah. Kirby vacuums. Mm -hmm. I had somebody come in and do a demonstration. I was like, oh, come on in. I'm not going to buy a $1,000 vacuum. But he did a great job, and I, I sent him for an interview at <laughs> at Magnum Roofing, nice. who's in Tampa. Love it. Yeah. Um, so I'm just kind of walking through the process right here, and then, of course, we're going to talk about the university and how people can do this. But if you go ahead and you got the culture, you go ahead and you get them interested in the job, now you've got to get them in the door, and you've got to make sure they show up in the door. So this is a two-part question for each of you. When they sit down to that interview, all right, where are companies screwing up when the person walks in, they, they're interested in the position, they've done their research, they're excited, and then it's your first impression they have with an individual? Do you find this as a place where they're falling off? And have so, how? Yeah, I mean, you're always relationship building. So even in that very first process, I think, you know, often employers – think that they may have to be kind of stern on this interview process because you are in those pre-screens you are you're weeding people out you're looking for those red flags <clears throat> but once somebody's really made it over that threshold you want to set them up for success so having those warm touches following up right keeping keeping engagement with them i think that that's a huge part so it's again relationship building 101 oftentimes this is someone that you want to come work for you Right, so you're going to start building rapport right up front. Love it. Mm -hmm. How many people, follow question to that for both of you. I would have ventured a guess that once the person comes in for an interview or the week surrounding the interview, not many contractors have some kind of process for that. Most are just probably, hey, listen, give them a call, send them a text message, remind them to come in because um, we have one day where everyone's coming in to do interviews. Do, is that important to have a process that even surrounds getting that person to the table? And how many people have that you walk into? Um, I've never seen it in any company we've ever worked in, but we have a templated process. So every like applicant communication, email, text, we have it all templated out. So when you get off a pre-screen, you need to be sending them that follow-up email. It was it was great to talk to you. Um, here's the the information. Here's the parking. Here's the dress code. Here's um, who you'll be interviewing with. Like a templated email as soon as you get off the phone. You're also going to schedule them in Calendly. So that three days before the day of, maybe even day before, that they're going to get reminders. And the most important thing is the cancel button, that they can cancel. So people are like, well, if they can't even schedule, they can't even show up to the interview, then we don't want them. Well, that's correct. But you are reducing no-shows because the people that were only moderately interested can push cancel. Because they're going to get annoyed with more and more text. So they can just push cancel. And that's why we have a 90% show rate mm -hmm. is because we're giving the people that are not interested an opt-out rather than using that as a screening test for how interested somebody is in the job. If it's more than a week out, we always call and touch base. So, like, we pre-screen on a Friday. The interview's not till next Friday. There needs to be a call in there somewhere because top candidates are going to have five interviews 
a week. So you've got to stay relevant. Just like if somebody's calling in for a roofing lead, they've got a leak in the house, they can call how many other roofers? And people are like, oh, you know, we're too busy to recruit. But it's like you leave your kids like one year old birthday party to go like inspect a roof or to to talk to a customer and you can't spend an hour a night to be able to respond to candidates. Right. There's a lot of ego involved. That's I think that's where people get really tripped up is like our company's great and these candidates should jump through hoops to be able to work here. And in in the beginning you're just a number. You're just a job ad. You're just a face on Tinder. You're just like one in in the sea of people. So you've got to really like check your ego and build relationships. Yeah. You're not special yet. <clears throat> so yeah. you have to build that connection. Right? And that's really what a lot of applicants want. That's one of the primary things when they are looking for even within company culture, they want connection. They want to know what their purpose is, have clear expectations and have really, you know, that fairness. Mm-hmm. So if you can get them in there and you guys, you show them all that, you're able to be somebody. There's the one thing I want to get to before the university is training, because you're, you're able to come in there and consult with them and help them through the university and you two personally through the training process. And I would think, you know what, I've been trained the same way in every company I go into. There is no standardized process. You get done hiring somebody, I've done this myself, and you go, all right, they start on Monday. What can we have them do on Monday? Okay, let's do this. <laughs> hey, let's just do this. I'm out of the office. When are you coming back? I mean, you're back in the afternoon? Okay. Morning, put him out with Daniel. He's got a couple of appointments. Daniel comes back in, send them to lunch, and then I'll take over at 2.30, and I'll do something from 2.30 to 5, I don't know, about sales and departments. And then you do it all over again the next day. And you get like three days in, and you're like, okay, send him on out. Mm-hmm. He seems good. Wherever he's doing operations, sales, just, you know, if you have any questions, I'm right around the corner. Just give me a ring or give me a call. I don't come in the next two days. Guy sits there. He's trying to figure out what's going on or where it's point. Is that basically what other people do, or am I, am I the only one? And that's a large part of why yep. we're having retention issues, yeah. because people aren't going to feel like there's any process. <clears throat> You're not setting me up for success. What am I doing here again? Yeah, God, so, so like 70% of turnover is happening in that first 30 days. That's where you're going to lose people. Um, so, and a lot of that is because there's just so much unstructured time. And first, like you need to pay your people to go to training. That's number one. If you're going to have them in any type of like classroom training, they're not able to go out and make money right away, which they shouldn't. You need to pay them for two weeks of training at least between 500 and 650 a week for that. And that's going to change the type of person, yep. too, that's going to come into these positions. They're going to take it serious because you're taking it serious, mm-hmm. and they're investing in their development even. And, yep. and that you believe in your process so much, you're so confident, too, mm-hmm. that you're standing behind it. And Jessica, I want to, before I interrupt you, you're saying pay them not a draw, but pay them actually do training. Correct. Because in roofing, there's this tendency to go, sure, I'll pay you for that week of training, and then I'm going to take a portion of every paycheck that you get while you get those commissions mm-hmm. coming in weeks two and three. Right. You mentioned something to me that, that was crazy to me, that McDonald's actually pays for their training while other people don't. Yeah, so at McDonald's, there's a $300 sign-on bonus. Yeah. At so McDonald's. at McDonald's, in Colorado, McDonald's, it's $21 an hour. Um, I think Chick-fil-A starts at like $19 an hour. Just like, um, so, I mean, you're even competing against like a gas station or a fast food place for, for talent. Um, so, but it's not like you just give $500. They have, we have a specific list of requirements that has to happen. 
So within two, two weeks, you have to do eight inspections. You have to knock 100 doors with the trainer. You have to do, you have to pass the test. There's a knowledge assessment that you have to pass. Pa- pass. You have to show up every single day. You have to finish videos at home at night. So there's like specific things. They don't just come in and get paid for being there. They have to complete the actions. So that's what I love about what you guys do around here. You hold people accountable, and I'm sure that people are wondering now, okay, hold on. All the stuff you're talking about, Jessica, the stuff about um, what tasks they need to complete in that first couple of weeks, the videos they need to watch, the tests they need to take, mm-hmm. is that stuff all available within the university that Ignite puts out so they can buy that and they'd have all that information, right? So if they want to buy like the training, we give an onboarding process okay. of the schedule of what that needs to look like. But and we also do give the standards of, of to get paid training, what that needs to look like. If they want the full training process that we've developed, which is a manual, a PowerPoint, a facilitator's guide, um, minute by minute of what you should be doing for classroom training, then that is an upsell. Well, talking about this, because here's how I look at it. People are listening to this and you're throwing out some nuggets right now. Like, hey, listen, you should be doing this. But there's so much more to the process that we're not even talking about here due to time. Um, there's so much that goes into training somebody in the first 30 days, retaining good talent, bringing in good talent, developing cup, all this stuff, developing culture. So somebody you've got that right now, the university they can buy that gives them information. How else does somebody work with you? I know there's consulting somewhere in here. Mm-hmm. Where, how do I, how do I work with Jessica? How do I work with Melina? Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of people find us on Facebook or like at the conferences at the conferences we're at a lot of conferences i'm um a gaf expert value speaker so i travel around so typically like people will just reach out to me that i've met um and and ask about recruiting Mm -hmm. and then i get into like deeper issues of um do you even have a person in-house that's capable of recruiting all right let's recruit a recruiter that's step one um and then if we're going to do like full consulting for a company, when they say, okay, I want to go from four to 8 million, them buying the platform for $5,000 is a great start, but that's not going to ensure them that type of growth because we come in with a weekly accountability. When we consult, we work with clients for an entire year. We go on site. We meet with them every single week. We assign action items to the owner, to every single person on the team. And everybody can also see everyone's action items. So if any time a um, – there's a just insane accountability in that process. So we basically are coming in as an outsourced operations manager to drive change, and we measure it. So and we coach can, and support it. Yeah. So Melina's been an amazing to have on the team now is because I'm like really driving processes and numbers and KPIs and just very um, systems driven. But a lot of times people can't, are, are dealing with the emotional part of change. So change management is a huge thing that Melina is dealing with now is we have a sales manager that really has got to step up to be able to scale the company. And there's a lot of fear behind that there's a lot of like self-esteem issues behind that. And so she's able to come in and work with that sales manager to get him where he needs to be one-on-one coaching, um, leadership workshops. So, yeah. Yeah. Is the university then kind of like putting your foot, your, your toe in the water, you're, you're stepping into this first step here. You're learning the basics through the university of what's necessary 
to run a at least moderately successful recruiting, training, um, cultural department right there. Is that really how I'm understanding the $5,000? Is really just get your basics down. You could hire somebody that was great at PepsiCo, but they not understand the recruiting and what is necessary within actual a roofing company. This is stepping somebody into that for that role in roofing, right? <laughs> so that's putting your foot in the water. Right. And then what we're saying is, hey, you're going to need continuous help here. Somebody to keep you going through this thing. Somebody that's going to hold you accountable to the KPIs, help you when it comes to change, when you're thinking you don't know what to do. That's where you all step into the consulting. Am I missing something there? Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm just trying to yeah. compartmentalize it. So, I mean, the platform, like the, the university, Retention Recruiting University, that is a templated pre-built hiring process. So every single job ad you would post, your schedule for onboarding, your training, your every interview question you would ask, every piece of new hire paperwork you would need that's been reviewed by attorneys, um, from everything from like a 1099 um, independent contractor agreement to you know your tax forms, um, yeah, every email. So it's not like they're buying it and then oh you need us to come in to do everything else like it really is templated and step-by-step process out so they could take it and go yeah and we and we have a lot of there's a lot of great companies out there who have great culture too Mm -hmm. so companies that you know already are high performing and they're just not having efficiency with their recruiting um, that's a great platform for them as well so whether they have something going on and they recognize that they may need consulting that's a possibility but for companies that are really strong and and ready to go and they just are looking for maybe it's the owner who's been doing this and they don't want to spend the time to do that anymore or they're looking for just a better way to recruit that's not going to take up so much time this is just the proven process really that mm-hmm. helps them to be able to do that strategically then tell me again how does that process work of having you all come out there is there immediate like an onboarding call and then you figure out the plan with that company or is it more of a standardized process depends on what the company needs yeah, it's more dependent. So, I mean, people can just buy the platform, uh, like the the university, just right off the website. Take it; it's theirs. Very similar to like restoration referral system. Buy the university. We do a two hour training with them on the university and go over the basics with them. So we're training every single person that buys that. Um, but a lot of times they're going to be calling and say, we have this specific issues. So if they schedule a consulting call, it's like I ask them what their top three goals are to scale the company, to um, hire better leadership, to um, increase their profit margins or whatever their specific goals are. And then we spend about an hour to two hours mapping out their goals for the next year to see if we're the right fit for them as far as consulting. See, what I think about is that everybody has fallen into this trap right now of just complaining about recruiting and people. And then they never think about what can I do differently to actually change the problem that I complain about every single week. We have these positions. We can't fail them. People are leaving. Damn, I wish it was post-COVID. You know, everybody sucks now because, or man, all these TikTok kids, they're the problem. You know, they can't stick with a job for more than two days. Um, it's constantly blaming people. Mm-hmm. And that's why I like what you all are doing. You're giving someone actually a solution to say, why don't you actually take control? of recruiting, of your training, of your culture, instead of just complaining about it all the time. And so that's what I think is powerful here. You're giving you're giving these business owners like, okay, you've been complaining long enough. How about you just buy into the program, have us come out there, and then you'll hold you accountable, and you're going to get better people. 
Mm-hmm. You guys, I mean, before we, before we talked, you named off some of the best roofers that I've been able to meet. I mean, Caleb is one, but you've got some others under your belt that are just as powerful. So obviously, whatever you're doing is working if people just take a step, make a phone call, and figure it out. Yeah, I think most often people call because of their immediate problem. If we go back to that iceberg model, mm-hmm. turnover. They're going to call for turnover and want a quick fix. And we can offer them that in the meantime. But you're, if you would not have a recruiting problem, if you retained every talented person that you hired, you would not have a recruiting problem. So it's just going to be a cycle. So we, it's short-term gain and long-term gain. We need to make quick wins, but we also need to build a company that's sustainable, sustainable growth as far as your people. I think about Jason over there at Eustace we talked about earlier. Um, when Jason had hired me, he has a really awesome videographer, a guy that loves what he does. And so people would think, okay, you got a videographer. Why need somebody to help you with video? But when I sat down with David, he hadn't been trained in roofing. He had other things that he could shoot video for. But in roofing, you got to know what to look for, what to actually film, what would interest people. And so that was what was powerful was you combine the experience of roofing with somebody that's anxious to go out there and do great video. And he knocks out of the park for them now. He's, he's crushing it for them. Mm-hmm. But I think about that from your standpoint. Just because you've got somebody who's done recruiting in the past doesn't mean they're bad at their job if they can't do it within roofing. Maybe they're missing those things in that first, the let's hear the retention recruiting university and the packet mm-hmm. right there and the modules that you teach. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they're just looking for somebody they need someone to hold them accountable. They have been doing a good job, but maybe people aren't giving them the credit that they deserve because they don't have the tools to get it done. I think there's a lot of things here that people never think about with recruiting other than put up an ad because we need a job. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where they leave it and hope they get a good person that walks to the door. There's just so much more to it that you all can open people's eyes to. And I think people need that. Yeah, I think that that's we've been in business three years and building traction. And a lot of what I do to get sales is just a lot of education to inform them what the problem actually is. And I think, you know, we're in the type of culture where we want a quick fix for everything. That's not just roofing. That's just the world we live in. We want a diet pill. We want. Um, plastic surgery rather than going to the gym we want you know mm-hmm. it's so we have to think about the real issues and get to the bottom of things and that's where being a consultant comes in identifying real issues and educating people on real issues and also having the data so it's no longer my opinion 30 percent of your workforce is going to leave yep. you better figure that out now before it's too late before you have 10 people walk out on the same day you have a little bit of a mutiny going on there. Like a, what's it called? Like a, um, what is it? Uh, what's that known? The Twitter. That's what they're running into, where everyone just wants to leave. But if you can figure out that stuff beforehand, you should. You, I think people are just scared of what the results will be. I think they don't want to know sometimes. Yeah. I know that my employees put up with me. It's just for me that that's what it is right now. Um, and uh, But they're here for the long term, I would think. Uh, I'll <laughs> uh, you stay with me very long. Um, when things are good, yeah, maybe. Mad, yeah. No, okay. So I think, like, for your company, like having those job let's descri- focus, let's not focus on me. Okay. Let's not focus on too many issues, and then Hoff's going to hear, and he's going to hold me to him. Okay. <laughs> no, but um, I think about what you just said, the you know, the cold sculpting and stuff that people want to lose weight with. Everybody wants the instant thing. Like when you see that, and someone actually believes you can freeze away fat. People, what a great marketing thing they did. Mm-hmm. Like, because people don't want that. And owners don't want to look at their, you know, where they're at right now in their company. I think that your reputation for both of you speaks for itself. And roofing owners need to take advantage of it. 
because it's such a unique thing, a niche that you both have carved out. Mm -hmm. There's no one else doing recruiting. There's enough consulting companies within roofing. There's enough consultants to probably just start their own, just as many roofing companies with the consultants that are consulting it. Everybody's an expert. Um, but I haven't met anybody that is focused as strongly as you both are on culture, recruiting, training, retention. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's pretty darn cool. Um, plus, I think you live by it too. I think you both would, in fact, tell somebody when they're screwing up. I think you don't have a problem doing that. And that's important with what you do as a consultant. It's not always just wonderful when you're a consultant. You can't just tell people they're doing great, get paid, and walk out knowing you're hurting that company. You didn't help them at all. And it sounds as though you both truly give a crap, mm-hmm. which is few and far between, I would say, for consultants in the roofing industry. Um, with that in mind, I'd like to kind of close out by maybe hearing from both of you, what did I miss? Like, if there's something you wanted to get across to you, the audience here, a contractor, what would you like them to know about your company or you personally? And I'll let you all close it out. Not all at once. <laughs> no, I mean, just like what you're talking about with, uh, you know, a lot of the the blame, um, you know, I think about, you know, we're trying to create empowered leaders. And anytime you put blame as your forefront, then you're putting yourself in victim mode. So as a consultant, you know, I think that that's one of the primaries of as any business owner, if you hear yourself blaming a lot, then you need to stand back and probably ask yourself a few really pointed questions about whether you want to be empowered or do you want to be a victim. Uh, whether it's in your your recruiting uh, or any or any avenue of your business, tough question to ask oneself. Go, ahead, Joseph. Yeah. So, I mean, what I hope comes across is just my love for contractors. Um, I mean, I grew up in contracting. I've been in contracting since I was two years old. I feel like my first job step was on a job site. Before it was roofing, it was AC, piping, plumbing, electrical. It, all my brothers are in the trades. It's it's just like in me to to know the hearts and the struggles and the business of contractors, and to be able to come with all the skills and the from project management to operations to recruiting and training, and to be able to merge those things together. It's pretty much like the best life I could imagine. Like. People are like, what do you do for fun? I'm like, work. Um, Because it's like, it's pretty much, it's just my whole life. Like, I really, we really do care. Um, We're getting ready to hire somebody else, and that's going to be one of the main uh, criteria is, like, caring for other people. And we're super committed. And we get consistent results every single time. So it's, I'm, I'm just so proud of, you know, doubling our revenue year after year. And we'll continue to do that this year as well. I don't doubt that you will. Plus, on top of that, you sing a pretty good Johnny Cash. (laughs) I am a country singer. I put a record out, went on tour a while ago. Come on now. I asked you in the beginning to break (laughs) down what you do. Tell me a little bit about yourself. You break down like Clemson, psychologist, all this stuff. You just skip over record and and country music singer. Uh That was like where we should have let off from (laughs) right there. Start this thing over again with country music singer. All right. All right. Well, that's awesome. Uh, where can they reach you all and how should they reach out to you? Website, give it all to them, and we'll close it out there. Yeah, I mean, our website is igniteresults.net, and you can book a strategy call right there. We love getting Facebook messages. 
it, it keeps me from just scrolling and watching like cat videos. Mm. So any type of like Facebook message, it's Jessica Stahl. And then of course, Ignite Results is our, is our Facebook and yeah, email Jessica at igniteresults.net. Yep. Mm -hmm. Melina at igniteresults.net. We'll put them across the bottom of the screen. Um, thank you both for coming by and speaking with me. I think this is something that more roofers need to hear about, educate themselves about, and have you come out there and do what you've done already for other roofing contractors, set them up for success, grow their business to the right people, the right place at the right time, just getting them in the door. Thank you all very much. I'll put all their information below this video so you can get in touch with uh, Melina and with Jessica. It's igniteresults.net. Until next time, everybody, take it easy. All right, thanks so much for watching that video and sticking around till the end. If you like what you saw, go ahead and click subscribe. Make sure you punch that like button, and we look forward to seeing you on the next video.